Hello folks, Kathy Lawless here, Life Story Curator, bringing you the very first episode of How Did I Get Here? A podcast about career journeys and stories from those who are established in their careers, but also those who might be in transition or just starting out, and for anyone who might want access to these wonderful stories. Today we're going to be talking to Terry Anazeski, whose career started in corporate, moved into nonprofit, then went into consulting, and now she's in the banking business. So, welcome, Terry. Thank you. Thank Glad you for to joining us today. So, why don't you start by telling us where you are today, and then we can get into how did I get here? Uh, when you say, what's where your role I am today? today? Yeah, okay. what's your so. Today my title is Assistant Vice President, Commercial Banking. I work for a community bank up in the uh, Aspen area called Alpine Bank. And what, what does that mean, being a Vice President of? So I work with our business customers to provide secure electronic banking tools for improving cash flow and uh, making workflow more efficient. So this is like their um, point of sale yeah, registers? Yeah, so it's, it's and accepting credit card payments and we have desktop check scanners. Um, I help them with uh, paying vendors electronically or paying their employees. Uh, we have payment portals. So it's all about getting their money in faster and also being more secure with all their their money and their electronic movement of money. Okay. Well, now I know a little bit about your background, so I know that part of what qualifies you for this is your uh, payment processing experience back when you were in corporate. That's a good um, point. But this was also a new role for you because it's more of a sales role, right, than correct. what you've had? That's correct. It, it is. I do both sales and service, and this was the first time that I had ever done a sales role. I had always done roles that supported sales, but never actually a sales role. So this was fun to to have that um, uh, opportunity and and really have enjoyed it. It's a new skill set to add to my repertoire. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about how did you get there? What? Where did you start initially? And I'm talking about way back when, you know, right out of high school or even in high school. Did you know you wanted to be an e-banking specialist at that point? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I knew, I was one of these weird people that very early on knew that I wanted to work in big business. My um, dad had some sort of um, blank invoices uh, on this desk that he had. And I remember playing and, and writing on them and tearing them apart because they were multiple copy. And I don't know why, but for some reason I thought I want to work in big business. And um, I, was, I was probably somewhere between 12 and 14 when that occurred. And then when my high school had the opportunity, uh, they were a pilot program for what was called vocational business. It was a two-class block, and you had a specialty that you focused on. I chose accounting. And then you learned all these other uh, business skills. Now this was back in the day, um, but it was like filing and typing and using a calculator and, uh, you know, 
basic phone skills, back then using a mimeograph, it was all those kind of things were on the second block. And I just enjoyed it, and it was a two-year program. So basically I had equivalent of two full years uh, and two full class periods all dedicated to business type classes. And then when I graduated high school, of course, my vocational business teacher wanted me to go to college, but that was not in the cards for my family's uh, financial situation. So I immediately started applying for jobs and landed a uh, clerical position at American Express money order division. And um, I was what was called a bank recon clerk. And I reconciled banking um, deposits from our, our customers all over the country to the uh, sales that they had acquired. They mailed that into us. So we, we had to balance, reconcile those two things. And that's where I started. And then I just worked my way up at American Express. I had a variety of different positions um, that crossed over multiple functions. Uh, so I started off leveraging my accounting experience and background and then went into a uh, new accounts trainer, learned all of our different products and trained customers start traveling all over the country. That really gave me exposure to thinking on my feet and being in front of customers, which I really enjoyed that part too. And then I moved into management and supervised an operations area, and then moved well, hold on. into let's, customer let's, service. Let's oh, pause okay. for just a second here, okay. if I could ask a, a question. What do you mean? I just you know you just very casually. Oh, and then I moved into management and blah blah blah. So, how did you get into management? I mean, did you have training for this? Did you? Okay. Was that part of your plan too, or well, that's was that a good very purposeful? Point. I, uh, I, I just, I knew I, I enjoyed working in big business. I enjoyed working at American Express, and so fortunately, we had and 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 our comp the company I worked at encouraged promoting from within. So we would see jobs that would come up, and we could apply for them. And I just kept applying for the next position up. And I would also look at crossing over into other disciplines. Now, this was not that intentional. It wasn't like I started off going, oh, I want to learn about all the functions of a business. It just, it was what was available to me. And so I, I saw the, the postings and they were promotions. And so I would go for them. And uh, fortunately, I would get them. Uh, I also realized probably when I was about 21 or 22, because I started working at American Express at 18, that I was going to need a degree. At some point, I was going to reach a position that I wasn't going to be considered uh, if, if I didn't have a, a, a bachelor's degree. So uh, about that time, I started going to DU to get my bachelor's degree through a weekend program. And uh, So how did, you, uh, how did you find DU in the bachelor's program? Well, I started off going to a college that was at night, but if you recall, I was traveling for ah, work. So if you're and out of so town, I couldn't, yeah. yeah, I couldn't attend classes and do my job at the same time. So I had to find a program that was going to support uh, me being in town and me and, and my ability basically to do my job. And then what was great is the American Express back then had a tuition reimbursement program. So seven years later. I had a full degree from DU in the business administration without uh, 
debt because the uh, company paid for the whole thing. Wow, that's so quite a benefit. that's how. But when you talk about training, that's a, I'm glad you bring that up because the company I worked for was very focused on training. Our head of HR saw a need there and because it's very natural that you promote the super worker into the supervisory role but there's a completely different set of skills required for that supervisory role and she saw that the super workers were continuing to do what they had done in to make them successful in their previous role Which and they were super workers exactly yeah. and they weren't really taking on the role of supervisor so she created a whole training program for frontline management and and it it really was popular and it really helped people understand before they applied for those jobs the different skill set that was going to be needed so they could determine if they really wanted to go that path or not because they were going to be measured on a completely different set of performance expectations than what they had before. It's a, it's a very different set of skills than just getting promoted in the individual contributor yeah. world. Getting paid, promoted for what you've been doing as a super worker and recognizing exactly. it's a difference. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you were at American Express, you're getting your degree, uh, you're also getting promoted. Uh, yeah. What did you think about corporate? I think corporate really fit for you. Uh, as you, you know, you'd mentioned that you could see the path. You, you didn't have a plan necessarily, but you knew you were a worker and then you were a supervisor and then you were going to go up the ranks. I mean, that. Right. Well, it's interesting. When I was in school, I did have a time where, because um, I was going to school part-time and working full-time. And I did have a time where I took a career uh, class and, and it, because I was kind of feeling like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I, I considered law school for a little while, uh, but I told myself that if I had the opportunity to get promoted from a supervisor to a manager that I was probably going to take that tact, and it did happen. And I also had some other things personally happen in my life where law school just wasn't going to be an option or a really good option. So I got promoted to manager and just decided to make um, business a career. Now, what I really love about business is how you solve customer problems and you make money at the same time. I'm just fascinated by that. And that eventually led me to the role I ended up with in the corporate world of being a vice president of new product development for Western oh, Union. And okay. I loved that, loved that. It was really about applying uh, my problem solving skills to uh, customer needs and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. So you were really for most of your career because um, you mentioned that you were training and you were traveling um, You've been on the front line. So you've been that face to the client. Yes, but you weren't in a sales role Correct. Until you were in your current role, right? So this is what so how long were you at American Express and, and on this phase of your career? Uh, well, you know American Express Went, went through a variety of uh, mergers and acquisitions itself. So I ended up at the same company basically for 24 years. 24 years. Yeah, wow. total. And how many careers do you feel like you had during those 24 years? Oh, um, well, from a business perspective, basically just one. But um, I would say probably I had operations client services, new product development, and project management. I'd say four different actual disciplinary areas, yeah. that, uh, functional areas that I 
uh, developed a mastery of. Yeah, so you were very um, cross-functional. Yes, I'm um, multidisciplined. Multidisciplined. <laughs> In the business well, world. And I guess I would say you know, it was more than one company. It started as American Express. Right. Then they IPO'd as First Data. Correct. But then you ended up at Western Union. Right. Right? We bought, well, first I helped build MoneyGram. And then we bought Western Union and off, uh, off well, we... Um, spin it off. Spun it? off. That's the word. Spun off MoneyGram. And then I ended up working for Western Union for many years. And then I ended up going back to the corporate part of uh, First Data and worked in mergers and acquisitions. Wow. All over the board. Yeah, that's really where the project management skills were uh, leveraged the most. And all of my multi multidisciplinary functions and expertise really came into play in working with mergers and acquisitions. So let's kind of wrap up this phase with the final question, which is this phase of your career, that is, with, well, what what did you think your, your strengths were during this time? And then did you have any mentors or bosses that really kind of helped you? I guess that's two questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll answer the question about the, the influence and resources first. Yeah, I had I had one boss in particular. Do you want me to mention his name? Sure. Uh, Richard Hammond, who took me under his wing, really saw my potential, took me under his wing, and was a fabulous advocate for me. He was willing to be straight with me. Um, he advocated for me with other people, helped me get promoted, uh, and just gave me every opportunity that I could ever want. And we, we, I worked for him for several years. He was just awesome. Um, and then in regards to my strengths, I, I guess I've realized that I have a way of um, seeing things from the customer's view, which really helps look at things in totality and not just from because so many times businesses have processes that need to be interlinked in order to provide a seamless experience for a customer and I that's what I like to do is stand in the shoes of the customer and look at how our systems and processes work because it in business you can't you know there, there has to be some uh, economies of scale and so you have to have functions sometimes broken down but your customers should not feel those those lines between those departments feel them or even have to know them or navigate them exactly. right it, it exactly should, it, it should be more seamless is what exactly. you're yeah so you have you this got it. ability to see things from the customer's perspective or the customer's experience right so to speak wow right. and i'm guessing you didn't start with that strength but it, you developed it right yeah. How do you think you developed it just because you were in all of those multidisciplinary cross-functional? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm just very analytical too. So I can, and I, and I'm not, I, I am totally fine working down in the details and then I'm totally fine coming up and strategizing at the conceptual 80,000 foot level too in strategy and strategy development. So that's why I think where I ended up at the end of my career at uh, in corporate America in new product development and mergers and acquisitions, those were like a perfect culmination of leveraging all the skills that I developed over those years. Wow. It was fun. 
<laughs> cool. So you I love this? It. You oh, love yeah. it. Yeah. So this was a good fit for you. And it was. It was until really it wasn't Vegas. So then you left. Yeah. Well, we, as a family, we decided to move up into the mountains and they, uh, you know, work allowed me to work from home. Uh, I was working then for mergers and acquisitions of First Data and they allowed me to work from home for a couple of years. But after I'd been up there a couple of years, I realized I just had made no connections and I really wanted to uh, be more integrated into my community. So I left there and I was actually in a program called Roaring Fork Leadership. And um, by the end of that program, the executive director resigned and I applied for it and got the job. So wow. I, it was a, quite the shift going from a company with 30,000 employees down to a nonprofit with one, and that was me. <laughs> so, uh, and I, there, there I, I uh, ran a program that took approximately 40 um, adults that were citizens of the community through a leadership, through a nine-month leadership program. Which leadership has been probably a, a common theme throughout your career, wouldn't you say? And even as a young that's person, true. wouldn't you say that's been a strength or maybe a natural? Yeah, I, you know, the whole time I was at First Data, I, I was the guinea pig for HR a lot. The head, I mentioned the head of HR earlier, Marianne Luby. She was just awesome. And her team would frequently come to me and go, hey, we want to roll up this new mentor program. Would you be willing to help us structure it, talk about it, and then be a pilot? And I'd be like, sure. Or we're going to roll out this new customer service training. Uh, would you be willing to help us uh, do the due diligence and figure out which program would be the best? Or actually, customer service is the one when I was running customer service. I went to them and said, hey, I really want to bring in some sort of training program. Would you help me find one? And so I just, I really looked at all the resources that I had um, in and around the, the company and tried to leverage them as much as possible. So yeah, leadership was uh, a key of mine. Leadership uh, about how do we get better and how do we improve. Yes. And yeah, I mean like one of the things I was just thinking about the other day, um, my department was dependent on all the other departments a lot. And so we created a award that my group, which was account managers, would award to a department team member. That, oh, outside that we were, Yes, oh. but inside of the company still, uh -huh. that we depended on. And we would do that once a quarter. And I, I, I can't remember, I wanna say we called it top of the world or something, because we, we had a globe, it was a glass globe we gave people. And we would go and surprise them and we would be at one of their staff meetings and we would honor them and as many of my staff as I could take off the phone at a time would come with and they would share stories about why this person over that last three months had been so so instrumental in supporting us in you know, providing a, a excellent client experience for the customers we talked to. And so it was those kind of things that, that um, I would, that I look back on that I'm most fond of in my career too. Wow. And those are, I think have a, like you were saying, this leadership thread through them. Yeah, yeah. So what did you love about being nonprofit and then there's just one of you versus 30,000? Uh, and maybe what were the challenges of now you're a nonprofit versus corporate? I mean, that's a big transition, right? Yeah, it was. Um, well, the, the biggest transition for me that I realized about myself 
was I like being part of a team. As you know, I'm fairly extroverted. <laughs> fairly. Oh, my God. Can we say off the charts? <laughs> and so while that job allowed me to have exposure to a lot of different people, and every year it was a new set leaders, of 40 right? people. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. I loved how, talk about wanting to be connected. Oh, my God. You know, I was connected, like, instantly because I In had. In the community. Yeah. yeah I had. 20 years, uh, this program had been around for 20 years, so I had this instant connection to all the uh, all of its alumnus, and then I was meeting 40 new people every year, and so that that was the, the thing I loved about it. One, the thing that I learned about myself that was not something that worked well for me was working that much alone. I, ha I just spent a lot of time just sitting in front of a computer, not having interactions with people, because the, the trainings would only be once a month for a full oh, day. So when you're in this group of 40, once a month you're on a high and oh, you're in yeah. your zone, but the other days of the month... Sometimes it was really draining. Yeah. As oh, an extrovert, yeah. you need you need interactions with other people. And for energy. For energy, yeah. exactly. And I would find myself waning, um, just not able to get myself fired up enough to do some of the tasks. So there's a lot of peaks and valleys for energy exactly. for you personally, whereas in corporate, you were like around people all the time, connecting, exactly. oh, always coming know, up with I, ideas, I would, driving things. Yeah, yeah. at corporate, mm -hmm. it was not unusual for me to literally have 20 meetings a week because I was constantly out there driving new initiatives, uh, supporting other employees, meeting with clients. It was, it was just a, a variety of interactions all the time. Yeah. Okay, so you did nonprofit then for how many years? In the uh, same five role? Years. Five years. Five years. So I that actually got you a, kind of in a sales role, right? Or business development because you had to be getting your fundraising. You were fundraising, you were working with the board. Right. Um, right. So that kind of got you a. You're still frontline and you're still working with all the clients, but you also had to run the whole show. So that. That's true. Yeah, well, because that's a CEO role, right? Executive yeah. director, CEO, role. Yeah, it's just single staff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a nonprofit, and I I was doing that during the the recession, so that was that was tough. Oh man, um, yeah. So yeah, that during that time I had to literally go from full time to part time. It was just nonprofits during that time, really. So uh, that well, was a struggle. What made you decide to then step into more of a consulting role? And then well, how did you get to where you are today? We're kind of, we're getting close there. I just want to kind of yeah, get to Yeah, so I, um, I just decided it was time to, to move on and pass the torch to somebody else from Roaring Fork Leadership. And I had gotten exposure to, some, uh, to so many other fabulous leadership speakers that I wanted to take that and apply it to uh, businesses directly myself. Well, yeah, and, you were really immersed into leadership as a... Right. Plus, uh, I had, a, you know, as your business, you're right. fully in it, right? So you get access to all these leaders and programs, and you know, how do you take this then? And yeah. and I got exposure to a program that really taught me why people do what they do and why they don't do what they do, which was what I felt was my missing link was the whole human behavior side during my business growth. So when I was at First Data, yeah, I learned all this stuff about um, the different disciplines of marketing and customer service and management and operations and I, I learned all that stuff 
but I, I really still struggled with why, you know, the human behavior side of things. That was still something I was searching for, and I, I got access to some programs to help me understand that better, and then I felt like I really had that, that missing link connected on how and, and, and the type of, of listening and leadership that was really effective. And I wanted to take that to companies. What I found, though, was, again, I was still in the, in the throes of the recession. And in a small community, the really small business owners weren't necessarily, when, when things were good, they weren't paying for consulting. So when things were bad, it they wasn't, it wasn't something they were necessarily going to engage in. Uh -huh. And so I did a little bit of it, partnered with a few people. But guess what else I found? And this is one of the main reasons why I left Roaring Fork Leadership is I had mentioned to my husband, I just don't like um, working alone. And the next thing I knew was consulting. What was I doing? Working, working alone. alone. Yeah. Uh, at my kitchen counter. And so, I, you know, that's one piece of advice I would definitely have for people. I know they may think that looking at the logistics of a specific job, and when I say logistics, I mean where you work, how you're working, are you working with others, that's key. It really is. You have to, you have to kind of know yourself there. And because um, if not, you, you are, you're not going to thrive, right? Exactly. You might survive. And, and you have yeah. to look at something that because it's already going to take a lot of energy to do your job and to pursue a career. You need to find something that is also easily going to work with your natural energy. I guess that would be ah, the point okay. I would make. And not because if your natural energy is, um, is to recharge by yourself, the last thing you want to do is have a job that requires you to be around a lot of other people all the time because it's it's going to take too much energy out of you to master the entire job. Yeah. Um, so anyway, knowing that, my husband brought that to my attention. I was like, you're right. I got to get back into working for a company. I didn't like when my computer died. I had nobody to call, right? <laughs> I wanted an IT department. Um, so I, I looked at who were the largest employers in my region and Alpine Bank hires, uh, you know, like 500 people, and they're a very well-known, reputable uh, bank in the area, and I knew people, and so I called them up. Because you were and, so connected. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you're so, a connect connector by nature and anyway, so right? so I, I called the head of the Aspen location and to have lunch with him, mostly so that he could connect me wherever. I hadn't really thought about working in banking, and that's when he connected the dots that my background, that he they were looking for somebody who would come in and understand all of these electronic payment services and be able to talk in a way that customers could understand them, in a way that would align customer needs with the benefit of the program. And of course, that's all I had been doing. I'd been in this payments industry in American Express and First Data for 20 plus years, all during the time from the 80s to the uh, 2000s where all these products and services were being developed and launched and, and um, uh, were they Piloted, manifested. Yeah. yeah, and so I I could easily talk about them. And so the job, it was a natural fit. I stepped in and actually it wasn't that much of a learning role for me. Uh, I stepped in almost in a, in a leadership capacity and was able to educate others on, on uh, what we were doing and how to explain it to customers. Very cool. So that's that's how you got here. Right. So one of the things that I enjoy too is that it provides me autonomy. I'm the only person who does my job within uh, my region. And 
um, so I get autonomy and but you're not I alone. get to talk to customers, uh-huh. right? But I have a whole team that supports me, and I get to work with a team uh, as part of a team and providing services to all of our customers. Well, there's all kinds of books re- written about secret sauce and it's all about you know, trust. culture yeah, uh, strategy for lunch, those kind of things, right? And it's all about it. But if you can make it work uh, and know that that's kind of your uh, your thing, then you know you're very powerful. Very powerful. Well, yeah. thank you. That well, gives us if a, I can add one more thing, oh, sure. it starts with when you say culture. It starts with the company trusts the employees. Ah, that's what's key. And then we, in turn, can develop that trust from our our customers earn it we earn it earn it mm-hmm. okay well if you wrap up questions here um, anything you would have done differently in your career you know you look back yes. and go hmm yes yeah. when I was uh, working for Western Union I had a time where I had advanced I was at the top of my career and I was thinking I was uh, invincible, I guess would be the the word. Um, And I got too focused on being right and I went up against, I didn't go up against somebody, I just, I had a different perspective on what we should be doing than the president of the company. (laughs) And you always got to look at who's in charge and what I was trying to influence others to um, join me in putting together a business case that would take us in a little different direction on one product. That was it. Again, remember, I was in charge of product development. Ah, okay. And so this is more of a strategic, she, uh, yeah, directional I mean, it thing. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just I thought differently about something. Well, in trying to rally support with other people, it got back to the president. And, oh. and he saw that as a malicious attack on him, and um, and it could have been career-ending. Fortunately, I had enough uh, capital with, uh, you know, performance capital with the other, com- other people in the company, and I was able to uh, take my time and find another career path inside of the organization, but for that particular business unit, he was not gonna let me stay there ah. so that that was tough so I learned I learned right there that um, yeah I am in, invincible I'm not always right sometimes you just gotta do what the people in charge are asking you to do and, and, and move on and not always think that your way is the right way yeah which is hard I know because also leaders ask for new ideas new strategies you know, yes. what's going to really be that next great thing, especially if you're in product development, right? Yeah. So, boy, that's kind of a, a two-edged sword there, but lesson right. learned for you. Right. Lesson learned for you. Exactly. So it was maybe how you went about it. Yes. So, yeah. okay. Um, would you say that would be the most pivotal part of your career, or do you have another pivotal moment that really was a, a crossroads or a kind of that big aha moment for you? Um... Well, I would say there were many, many pivotal ones. So I, I, I mean, that was, that was a big one. Um, 
you know how they say sometimes that your biggest learning moments are not the ones where you were successful, but they're the yeah. ones where you maybe got <laughs> derailed, and that, that yeah. certainly was one of them. But there were many pivotal classes that I took. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Richard Hammond, that was a pivotal moment when he and I... Uh, when you click with a boss. Yes, yeah. and then my yeah. career took a totally different trajectory much quicker than I had uh, in the past and so yeah there there were many when I look back on it now of course when I was in it, in it all I would do was look basically for the next step um, there wasn't any particular long-term strategy that I was working towards it just uh, you know were little short-term steps that uh, had gradually created the career that I'm very proud of very cool. Very cool. So, uh, what or who inspires you? Hmm. Well, I am definitely inspired by a challenge when you say the what. Uh, you give me a challenge, I'm like a dog on a bunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like what? What would be a challenge that, uh, that you would just, you know, love to dive into? Uh, well, solving customer problems. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter what size. I, I love, if you, if you came to me and said, hey, we, we feel that our current organizational structure is not properly aligned to meet our customer needs, oh my God, I'd be all, all over. over that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's a big one, right? That's oh, a huge. big problem. But then there's also uh, a customer calls and says, hey, uh, you know, I had this thing happen with, uh, you know, my, this is an experience I had with your service, and I dive down into it and figure out how we've got, one of our vendors has a system bug, Oh, you know, okay. and I, yeah. I figure that out, we, we get that over to the, the vendor, and, you know, they didn't even know they had it, yeah. but I listen to my customers, every, every issue that comes up, I take it very seriously, you know, there's, to me, it falls into one of three categories, it's either uh, a personnel training issue it's either they don't know how to uh, operate the the particular service um, you know like training on their uh -huh. side so it's either training on an employee side manual error or it's training on the side of of the user the customer that needs to be changed or it could be a true system bug yeah and any one of those I like to look at and say okay how do we prevent that from happening in the future because each one of those you can look at deeper than just fixing the problem at hand. Yeah, so you, you troubleshoot it each time, not necessarily assume, oh, this is what it is, and that's going to fix it. At, exactly. That okay. Yep, that's how I look at them and so, really apply what I would consider to be more of a leadership perspective to solving it versus just fixing it for that one minute. Okay, so... Um, what do you wish someone would have said to you or done for you when you were starting out or maybe if you were stuck? Do you feel like when you look back, you oh man, if I had just, if someone would have said this to me, that would have changed me at a very early age or oh. maybe I wouldn't have been, maybe I got stuck and I was in a funk for a bit and I wouldn't get out. Do, did you, do you have a, I an do, example of I that? I do, and this would probably circle back to being an example of one of those pivotal moments. I, uh, when I was in running uh, new product training, I'd been doing it for several years, and up until then, I'd been getting promoted on a pretty regular clip, pretty regular basis, and I got into this department, and I, uh, they saw 
the need for it and they uh, management the two people that ran it myself and this other woman she I mean they just didn't see us as being qualified for these higher level positions and they went outside and hired people from the outside um, and I really got I was really upset about that and I kept pushing them saying tell me exactly what it is that I need to do to, to, to be qualified for this job the next time it gets posted and I kept pushing them and finally my immediate supervisor I was so glad she did this she pulled me aside one day because I was I was starting to get an attitude you know and I was ah. starting to bring a chip on my shoulder to work she pulled me aside one day and she said what's going on and I told her, I said, I just, I feel like I need an explanation on this. They haven't been able to provide it. How am I supposed to grow and develop myself if I don't know what I need? And she just said to me, listen, sometimes things just happen and you can't always explain them. But you, the only thing you have control over is how you react to it. And if you continue with the way you're behaving right now, you're never going to get promoted again. And I really appreciate the fact that she pulled me aside and had the interest in me to invest that time in being straight with me because it was the slap in the face or what I call the two by four method that I needed at that point because I, I don't know where I'd have gone, but I went, Oh, Oh my God. Okay. Didn't realize how turned, you were coming across. Exactly. I turned my attitude around and got back on my path and sure enough, promotion started to happen again. And I learned a lot from those two individuals that they brought in from the outside. Ah. When I shifted my viewpoint to I can learn from them instead of being... Uh, I'm better than them or that should or be Or being me. spiteful uh -huh. that they didn't um, consider me. Yeah, so that was that was very pivotal. Wow, well, thank you for so sharing that, that. I know that's a kind of vulnerable thing, thing to share. There's one thing that I would say is critical as a veteran is to do those kinds of things. When you see somebody you know has potential and you see them going off the rails on from their own doing or even if it's not from their own doing but really explaining to them what's going on and and the why and what you need them to do to continue to be looked at as the next for that next promotion yeah um i i think that's extremely beneficial and i'm so appreciative that she did that for me well, yeah, because that's a very hard conversation to have. It is. And it's hard for anybody to anyway, have that. Yeah, and most of the time it'd be easier to just go, well, look, she's, uh, you know. There she goes. She's in her own rails. way, and that's yeah. her own deal. Well, versus... And that's the thing I've learned about with human behavior, too, is we all get triggered. Yeah. And it's stuff from our it, our past that causes these triggers in us. But we have to we have to manage them, and, and they, they end up running the show, and we don't even know they're there. They're those those blind spots yeah. and we just get on these self-righteous paths <laughs> and uh, you know I, and it, so when I look back I will say every time I got derailed I was being self-righteous <laughs> ah okay so that's my big aha uh -huh. your big aha uh -huh. and would that be your advice to a young person starting out then yes always be open to learning from others because you don't always know you don't always know period and even though you may be right Sometimes it may not be for right now. Oh, oh, okay. But I will tell you too, on the flip hand, on the flip side of that, I, one of the things that was uh, beneficial and instrumental in my ability to move up is I didn't give up. There were times, ah, so there's this a is persistence. something, okay. yeah, it's knowing when to do which, right? Uh -huh. So my boss, Richard Hammond, 
one of the things that he uh, applauded in me and recognized in me was if I did see something that needed to happen, and if my if if I the first time I brought it up, somebody said no or they didn't get it, I wouldn't take that as no forever. I would just take it as no for right now. And I would look for opportunities to bring it up in the future, possibly reword it, look for other advocates. I mean, it, there was always another back door, as he would say. And so you can, and, and there's always possibility to be a leader from behind and to influence things without having to be in charge of them. So that was another strength that I had. You just got to know when to when to, to, to back off and, and support the decision that's yeah. been made. So in, in, you can influence without always having the authority or the position. And, right. Um, but knowing when is the right time to do that. So. Right. Well, I'm sure appreciate you sharing your story and your journey with us. When, when you look back, any final words about when you look back on your journey, on what you kind of, you know, this whole process that we just went through and going through this interview, Anything you'd like to share or anything I haven't asked that you'd like people to know? Um, I, I was lucky in regards to finding something that I really liked. So I, I enjoy getting up every day. And ah. um, that's, that's what I encourage people to do. And I know that may sound cliche-ish and I recently just heard uh, an author speak about some research he had quoted so I, I can't go into specific on where I got this from because I don't have all those details but but he talked about researching other people's successful careers and one of the things that was common is they didn't look at they didn't create this long-term strategy from the beginning they looked at the skills that they had looked at what was available to them for um, uh, opportunities and they chose one and they simply went that route without trying to connect all the dots from behind and and that so this it, it may have been a zigzag effect but that that seems to be very common with successful people and so I would share that with you not to get nervous that you need to be on some specific trajectory but to Look at what you've got as far as uh, skills, resources, and what you've got available to you and opportunities. Take them and see what happens for as long as it brings you joy and then maybe find something else. I see a lot of young people doing that and I think, I think that's working for them, I hope. So it's just being open to what's available to you, paying attention. You don't have to have it mapped out, but exactly. you need to be open and listening. So. Yeah, like Steve Jobs says, you can only connect the dots backwards. So <laughs> that's don't, true, and that's what we're doing today, do right? Yeah. We're doing this. Uh -huh. Don't you know it will work out. So, but make sure that you uh, are controlling your own energy and not counting on others to do that. So, oh, can I'll add? I'll say one more thing. Um, during all the work I've done around human behavior and, and uh, leadership uh, capacity, I. I heard once that there are two things in life. There's our circumstances and there's what we're committed to. Decide which one you're going to let drive your life. And that, that's been something that I've done without knowing it. That I've always been focused on uh, my responsibility and my ability to respond to things and not counting on my circumstances.
circumstances to bring me joy or success. Wow. Well, I don't think we can wrap up with any better quote than that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to explore this. I, uh, it was fun to go back and reflect. Well, thank you again. We were just talking with Teresa Anazeski, Terry Anazeski on How Did I Get Here?